Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, seasoned entrepreneur who thinks you know everything, you are in the right place because I interview industry experts, influencers, I get the best freaking knowledge I can from them so I could share it with you who are business owners, aspiring business owners, veterans, veteran entrepreneurs, all that good stuff. Now my guest today is Mike Kim, who's a brand strategist for business thought leaders, coaches and authors, etc. He's actually been a consultant for John Maxwell, Donald Miller of StoryBrand. Um, he's been on TED, PBS, CNN, Fox, all this stuff. And he's got a new book called You Are the Brand, which is an eight step blueprint to showcase your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. All that aside, look, he is a personal brand expert. And it's so important for me to talk to other people in my industry. I've had Mike on the show. I had Tally Miller on the show. And I will have others who are personal brand experts on the show. So that way you don't just take it from me. It's incredibly important that you realize that there's other people out there who can vouch and validate some of the benefits that this can give to your business, which is why, again, he says, build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. So uh, Mike's book, You Are the Brand, is gonna come out uh, July, so that'll be out next month, but you absolutely can pre-order it. Here's a couple things that he covers in the book, and then I'll tell you a couple things we talk about in the podcast. He talks about a how-to-preneur versus an idea-preneur, how you know which one you are, uh, how to use contrast to formulate your unique point of view. We all think we don't have a unique point of view, but he's going to help you use contrast in order to kind of figure that out. Uh, he's got a nine-box grid that shows you how to price your products and services. Okay, like literally, it's not just about personal brand and how you should make content. He's trying to teach you how to price your products and services, etc. So there's a lot more that I'm not going to get into, but you are the brand brandbook.com if you want to look up some of that stuff. In the podcast itself, you're going to hear us talk about why some of the people with the best personal brands actually come from highly regulated industries. Hello, I came from the Marine Corps. He came from freaking church and uh, marketing. So, I mean, it's it makes complete sense, but I was not ready for that. He's got a great set of three questions you should ask yourself at the outset of starting your personal brand. And then obviously we talk about attention grabbing content talk about two ways you don't want to get it and probably the way you should get it. And then last but not least, we talk about some of the ways that we can have different messaging on different platforms and why you shouldn't feel bad about that at all. So let's get into the show. Mike Kim, you are the brand. All right, Mike, so we just had the intro and I wanted to tell you how I found you because it's literally a testament to personal branding. And how I found you is Instagram. And I hate Instagram. I hate Instagram. I love LinkedIn. I like to keep it that way, but I'm not trying to do TikTok right now. Clubhouse is just like, you know, extremely time consuming and it's too passive. So I'm like, all right, let me just work on my Instagram game. And someone's like, you got to find people in your niche, follow the hashtags. I typed in personal brand, personal branding, and then you popped up. It led me to your YouTube videos, rabbit hole. And then I'm like, he knows Dory. I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, this is awesome. So <laughs> I was thrilled because it's really hard for someone like me uh, who is all about personal branding and runs a business based off it to be like, who do I look up to? So number one, that's a testament literally to be like at the top of where you're supposed to be. But thank you for that. Number one. And two, Please, uh, just a quick self-introduction, and then you could tell us a little bit about the book you got going on, and then we'll go from there. 
Yeah, that's cool to hear that you found me through Instagram because Instagram, I have this like love-hate relationship with it. I really like using the platform. I like creating for it, but it's like a lot of work. Yes. And it's very hard to grow an Instagram channel, you know? So I'm just like, brutal, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do what I know how to do, right? So that's really cool that we met each other that way. Um, I have found in my business, and I don't know about you, Rich, but like Instagram is great for people who already know me. And it's a great way to keep in touch with my current tribe. Um, and that's how I've sort of used it. And when I create some videos or quote cards, maybe word gets out a little bit and some people discover me like we met. Um, but I've just tried to find out what works for me. And that's what really I do with clients, with people I coach, with private clients, one-on-one clients. I just try to find what works for them. And so over the last couple of years, probably eight years or so, I've really niched down into this personal brand space. Uh, I came from a corporate marketing background. Uh, but I also consumed a lot of books. Uh, even before that, in a prior life, I was really involved in church stuff and music. And and since I was young, I just had this understanding of why certain people are more well-received than others, why certain speakers were better than others. Why, does, why do some people like K- Kevin Durant more than Kyrie Irving or Steph Curry or LeBron James? It's not about who's quote-unquote the best. There's this personality about them that some people like or don't like. It's why some people like Taylor Swift more than Katy Perry. I could go on and on, right? And it all has to do with your personal brand. So when we talk about branding, we all know it's about identity. And a personal brand just simply expands to include your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, your personality. And now those things are super fluid. It's like trying to nail down Jell-O. Then you want to build a business around it and monetize it. It's pretty hard. So over the, all these years, I've really worked with people who are in that space, try to help them get clear on their message, clear on their why, and then go and monetize their ideas, their expertise, their reputation, their personality. So that's what I do. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. When Clubhouse came out or when I got an invite, I was like obsessed. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And almost like a week later, I was like, this is horrible. I need to stay off here. Like, it's crazy. And then I got back on, I was doing LinkedIn stuff, uh, you know, rooms. And, and I mean, I'm talking two hours a day, every day for like two months. And all I did was stay in that space. And whenever I ventured out into the hallway, all I could see was all these crazy rooms about how to whatever, you know, get to this in 90 days and, and all these things. Now your book says, you talk about, you know, creating six or seven figure businesses, uh, you know, essentially with a personal brand. And I'm here to say that it's actually accurate. It's not like the clubhouse rooms I'm talking about. Um, and it does take a lot of time. Now, this is such a loaded question, but I have to ask because you probably get this question all the time is, where do I start? And obviously it depends, but how do you usually answer that? So people who don't listen to me can listen to you. You got to start with your point of view. And I love that we're talking to your particular audience today because, Rich, over the last seven, eight years that I've been doing this, the folks I've had the who have had the hardest time stepping into this space, creating content, doing a podcast, putting themselves on Instagram or blogging, you name it, tend to come from really highly regulated backgrounds. So, of course, you have folks from military. Uh, I live near D.C., government, politics, right? Government, uh, educators, um, healthcare, lawyers financial advisors. There are these things in those worlds called compliance and regulatory, right? I got many good friends in the military still serving. One of my buddies, Marine officer still, right? And he's like, oh, I can't say certain things online, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Then you enter this wild west called the internet 
okay, where everyone's basically quoting each other and not giving any credit. They're filming themselves on TikTok (laughs) or Instagram, their morning routines. I'm guilty. I've done that. And um, you're like, where's the credibility? How am I supposed to let people know I actually know what I'm talking about? And it's like, it's like this muscle of self-expression atrophies over all of these years because you're so scared of getting your wrist slapped or getting thrown in compliance jail, right? Or regulatory, have HR come down on you, whatever it is. And so I really start with, hey, let's form your point of view because that muscle is probably so atrophied. We need to work on what you say so that you eventually have something to sell. It's very difficult to sell something when you have nothing to say. So I start with these three questions and I don't know how I discovered these questions. I think they just came from working with people, you know, and eventually I settled over years and years and years, these three questions. Number one, what pisses you off? Number two, what breaks your heart? And number three, what's the actual big problem you want to solve? And I use these words, these questions on purpose because they are emotional. So what pisses you off? That's like the injustice you see in the world, right? What breaks your heart is the compassion you have for people and or a certain cause. And what it's the big problem you're trying to solve. That's the purpose of your business. Business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. There are other problems that are not profitable to solve, which is why we have nonprofits. But you start there, you start to formulate your point of view, which you can then use to fuel your marketing. So that's really step one, your point of view. That's interesting. And, and I love it. So I'll just, I'll focus on what pisses you off. So let's just say my expertise I'm coming out of the military or heavy regulated industry or whatever, and I'm ready to go and I'm an expert in aviation per se. What pisses me off if I ask myself that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to leverage this as my personal brand. Like, How am I like, sprinkling in my expertise in, in that as an example, just to be practical for the audience? Yeah. So that's actually a, a separate thing that I do, but that's a great place to start because this is how these conversations go. And this is how I've created these things. So when we look at a person's skills and experiences, they're way more diverse than we ever realize, right? And then when I ask them what pisses you off, they're like, well, what do you mean by that? That's a question I get a lot. And I'm like, no, no, just tell me. I just want you to vent. Tell me the first five things that come to your mind. Don't delete anything. Stop self-editing. Because, Rich, that is really me trying to warm that muscle up that's been atrophied, right? And you're like, oh, well, I I hate this. And they start talking. And this is actually a really emotional experience or can be for a lot of people. Because they're like, no one's ever asked me what I really felt about things. Or I've never even asked myself. So dude, you want to get out here and podcast and create content and you don't really have this muscle developed, you're going to feel like a fraud. You're going to feel like you're copying other people. So we start there and I never try to make it, you know, it's like trainers. You don't have people bench 225 when they've never benched before. You just gradually yeah. work them into it. But then one of the other exercises I've found when I've worked with folks from these very highly regulated industries and they say, well, I'm just good at Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. I don't really know anything. Oh, they use just a lot. Yeah, just, just like it's like self-deprecating. Yeah, I just know how to, I just don't. <laughs> I'm just not a big deal, right? <laughs> so I, I sit them down. I'm like, all right, I want you to write down everything you've done at your job and a couple other jobs. Not just what's on your job description, but what you've really done in those jobs. So I'll use myself as an example. Um, out of college, I taught SATs to high school kids, right? Uh, I helped them get ready for college entrance exams. I taught them reading and English, right? And then uh, for a few years, I was the music director at a church in New England. Okay, like, what? 
that's not career path. Dude, do you even know what you're doing with your life? Then after that, I became the chief marketing officer for an educational company. Like, what? Right? So I was, I just don't know anything. I'm just all over the place. People are going to look at my, look at my LinkedIn and they're going to be like, this dude has like ADHD with his life. But one day I sat down and I actually wrote what I did both on job descriptions and outside of my job descriptions. So I might write, I spoke at church. I taught SATs to high school students. I marketed our conferences. I taught, mentored young teachers. I recruited volunteers for the music team. I coached my CEO and boss. And I started to write all these things down. And I was like, let me see what, if I take my pen, and I don't know how this happened. So I don't recall this. But at some point, because it's in my journal, from all those years ago, I crossed off the end of every sentence. And what I saw was, I spoke, I marketed, I coached, I mentored, <laughs> I recruited. Brilliant. I was like, oh, freaking crap. I'm actually pretty good at stuff. And I love that I can swear on your podcast. I'm probably going to. But um, yeah, of course. I'm like, oh, shit. I know a lot of fucking stuff. Like, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, because what we tend to do, especially those from very highly regulated backgrounds, church is a very highly regulated background. Sure. Education is a very highly regulated background. So I get <laughs> yeah. you guys, right, in that regard. And I started to see myself for the first time because we, our glasses, our lens, our primary lens is to see it through the organization. And now you talk about military life, you're in it for you know sometimes decades. It's hard to take those shades off and really see who you are. So I start there. And it's like that matrix moment. Your eyes are open and you're like, oh, what? I didn't realize this about myself. I actually got some really good skills to work with. Well, it's incredibly uplifting. I mean, I like to look at personal branding as personal development slash self-awareness. It's like the best self-awareness exercise on earth because of exactly what you're saying. And I have a client and, you know, I would do personal branding work and, you know, he, he made a post about how your role is not your identity. I'm like, exactly. That's exactly right. Like I could just see him like trying to come out of his shell and I loved that. But I want to talk to you about what I think it, the word I tie to personal branding or when people, the first barrier is not necessarily making the content or talking about something or typing out something. A lot of people believe that it's indulgent, that it is somehow egotistical. And I like to kind of try and come from it at a lens of, People need to hear what you have to say. People need to hear that uh, it looks like you have ADHD, you know, when it comes to your life experience and your professional experience, because someone else can benefit from that message. But how do you calm people down or talk them off the ledge about seeming like it's some sort of weird, selfish vibe they're trying to put out into the world when it's actually for others? Yeah, I totally get where people are coming from when they say that, by the way. And um, this is one of the things I talk about the in the book. This is one of the central examples. Over the last probably five years, especially, we have seen the quote unquote personal brand space explode, especially because of visual mediums like YouTube and Instagram, right? You and I were just talking about how we both don't, you know, we don't love Instagram. <laughs> it's a little hard to create for and everything like that. And uh, you can write it off and say like, well, I'm not some like hot yoga pants girl, so I'm not going to get any likes. But then you look at a guy like Gary Vee and he's got millions of followers, right? So I'm, we're telling ourselves these stories that aren't true right, about certain platforms. But I can understand what people are saying. So on one hand, people are doing it one of two ways and both are wrong. So I'm going to advocate for a third way. The first kind of person we see 
is the person who is all about image and that identity, and they're presenting, honestly, a false version of themselves. These are folks who rent an Airbnb, a mansion on Airbnb, have a photo shoot, and sort of imply that it's their house, right? They're like, hey, you know, join my mastermind group or buy my book, and, you know, they're in, like, this mansion, and it's not theirs. And these folks do not understand that attention is earned. It's not owed to you, right? So that's the first kind of people. They present a false version of themselves. And no wonder, you know, folks who listen to you, folks who talk to me, they say, I don't want to do that. Well, of course you don't. But that doesn't mean that's everybody, right? Now, on the flip side, you have the pendulum swing completely the opposite direction. And bro, you have these folks who are oversharing in the name of authenticity. And that's the new big word, authenticity. I'm just going to be real. You're going to hear it like it is. I'm going to show up this way and just be real, right? And um, it's like these folks are trying to sell their struggles instead of an actual solution. And these folks get attention in a completely different way. They are like a car wreck on the interstate. Everybody stops by to see what the car wreck is, but that attention is short-lived and it's annoying. It's disruptive. Yes, and if I can be really honest, have you ever scrolled through Facebook and you see some nasty ass picture of someone's foot and they're like, yeah. look at this nasty gash that I got. Yes. What are you doing, dude? Like no one wants to see that. Totally. They're looking for attention. Oh, I hope your foot feels better. In, in reality, I'm block. I don't care if it's my sister, block. 100%. Right? Yep. So you have these two extremes. And to get back to that question, it's like, well, how do I do this? How do I share what I know in an authentic way without seeming like one or the other? This is the question that is at the heart of everything I'm teaching. Ask yourself this question. Can I build a campfire around what I'm sharing? And by that, I mean, is it warm? Is it inviting? Is it a light in a dark place? Is it a place where people can share stories, not just with you, but with one another? Is it a place that you can build community around? Are you a person people want to hang with at a campfire? And that's the praxis of the book. You are the brand. It is you. You've got to do the hard work. And Rich, from, from just even knowing what you do with your show, that's why your show has been so successful. You've become someone worth hanging around. You've created a space for people of a certain background and life experience to come and hang and hear stories and you're siphoning insight and wisdom from entrepreneurs for them. It's like a big freaking virtual campfire. And what happens if a campfire has enough wood and people gather? It becomes a bonfire and it becomes this big community. And you become this, not just tribal leader, but you're a, a person who brings people together. And that's exactly what you've done with your show. You're a master, man, because that visualization is easy. That's the kind of thing that sticks. So if you're listening, I guarantee you will refer back to that easily because you have the visual attached with it. Now, I made a post not long ago, and it did better than some of my normal posts on LinkedIn and Instagram. And I wanted to get your perspective on this. I, I really believe this is something that's going on. And I said, in the last two years in personal branding, I believe there's been a big shift from your why to how to, because people just want to learn shit. People are just like, cool, like Mike is memorable because he just taught me that I need to start a campfire and not be the idiot who's posting about his black eye that he got in a bar fight or whatever it is. And it was crazy. A lot of people were like, no, it's always about your why. And I'm like, I thought so too. But I was like, it is about your why, but it's just not urgent. 
I was like, if you're just starting out, I think a good way to capture attention is how to, how to show up, how to record a podcast, how to whatever. What are your thoughts on that? I think it goes both ways. And the analogy I'll give, and I'm a big analogy and picture guy, so this is why I have so many. Perfect. I grew up in New Jersey. So did I. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. I was in Bergen County up north. Morristown. Oh, Morristown. there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's. I think we talked about this. I don't know if we did. That, that <laughs> awesome. sounds familiar. Yeah. So I, I also used to live in Piscataway, which is kind of, you know, Morristown's in between Piscataway yeah. and Bergen County. And, you know, dude, you know then, New Jersey is a land of shopping malls. Okay. <laughs> and this is all I did when I was a kid. I went to shopping malls. There's nothing else to do in New Jersey. We're too poor nothing to go to else. New York City. Our parents are going to drive us over the bridge, right? We're hanging out at shopping malls. And you know the shopping mall's got like 87 different entrances. Okay, you've got mm-hmm. Neiman Marcus in the department stores. You've got the movie theater. And then you've got, you know, the food court. And then you got that really shady entrance to the mall, like in the back where there's like that raggedy old cell phone store that no, like <laughs> near the bathroom. And my point <laughs> yeah. is, all these doors still lead to the mall. Yeah. So whether someone comes into your brand, which is the mall, through the how-to content or through the why I do what I do content or through a podcast or Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube, whatever it is, they're just coming to the mall. Now, one of the things I played around with early on was understanding, oh, my brand's like the shopping mall. That means I can dress up doors differently, just like they do at the mall. So in my early years, I was really confused as to what message to put out there because I thought I only had to have one message. Yes. And I was like, well, I'm a freelance copywriter, meaning a guy who writes marketing materials, but I don't actually write about copywriting on Instagram, Facebook, or my blog. I don't like writing about it. I just know how to do it. So I decided, let me make my homepage on my website just for copywriting clients And then I'll just share my other content on social media like I normally do, because I realized no one was waking up in the morning and going, I wonder what Mike Kim put on his homepage today. I wasn't some stock ticker website or ESPN, right? Um, They were finding my internal pages through Instagram, Facebook, you name it. So that gave me a lot of comfort to say that my homepage is just for freelance copywriting clients because what happened was people would say, oh, you need to hire Mike Kim to write your launch. And what would they give them? My website. They wouldn't give them my Instagram. So I had my business, the mall, grow in many different ways because I dressed up the doors differently. So I just want to kind of take that burden off of us that we feel like we have to have one message on every platform, and you really don't. You really don't. That comes up so often because, well, number one, the message I have on LinkedIn is going to be, obviously, for it to be effective on TikTok is not going to be the same. Like, there should be a little bit of charisma with it versus, you know, you know, I mean, it it doesn't just, it, it doesn't translate all the way if you just repurpose the same stuff. But yeah, I think that's a really comforting message, actually, because I, I believe there's an element of consistency that people cling to. Um, and it's also probably a little bit lazy too, because they're like, well, I don't want to make more content. 
All right, everyone, let's take a quick break. I want to recognize a sponsor who is Rocket Station. Rocket Station is responsible for the Rockstar virtual assistant I have, which I don't even like to say virtual assistant because she is far more than that. Uh, she is an intricate part of my organization and the team. She oversees uh, a lot of the contractors on the team. She handles a lot of my day to day, but she is actually just like growing and growing and growing in terms of her business acumen, in terms of my business specifically, and she's just all over it. And why am I even mentioning this and why? Look, I had multiple approaches to be sponsored, but I wanted Rocket Station because I believe in what they do, because the onboarding process was fantastic, because meeting them was fantastic, and because I have constant support. You could go on Upwork, you could get a personal assistant, you could go on Craigslist, you could go anywhere but you're not gonna have a team of people who's like, how's she doing? What can we do better? You know, let's talk about a review. Okay, like here's a holiday coming up. Is she working or is she not working? They're all over it. But the best part of it all is the fact that they actually document some of my processes that that VA can take over. Whether it's social media, whether it's operations, whether it's admin, whether it's email, whether it's calendar, they help document the process in advance so that way this person already has kind of the roadmap ahead and you don't fumble it and screw it up and end up firing them because they didn't meet your expectations, which you never actually put down or how to do the things you need them to do. So rocketstation.com, mention me. You could also go to landing.rocketstation.com. If you mention that you met through me, you're gonna get $500 off your process development, which is exactly what I just described. So don't sleep on them. You're doing too much stuff already. It's time to hire help. Oh, did I mention the price? Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Go check it out and you'll see what I'm talking about. Let's get back to the show. I know in your book, you talk about relationships being rocket ships. Now, I uh, am of the belief that you this is a relationship. Even though it's virtual, it's a relationship. And that is a very big reason that you should create content because people, the, the best compliment, and I know you know this, is when people are like, I feel like I know you. Like, that's like the best. Like, I'm like, cool, let's do business. But talk to me about your philosophy on relationships being like rocket ships. Well, I love what you just mentioned about people meeting virtually and and getting to know each other. And it kind of ties into your previous point about if I'm sharing the why versus the how-to, my rule of thumb is, hey, whatever content you create, try to find a way for people who consume the content to get to know you a little bit better. It might not be explicit or obvious, but let them get to know you a little bit better. What kind of shirt are you wearing? Where are you filming your video? What are the things that you're talking about? So when it comes to, to this kind of content and then using it to connect with others, here are two questions that I ask uh, myself all the time when I'm creating content and looking to build a relationship through that content. I ask myself, number one, how did I learn this? And number two, how did I make it happen for myself? And when I looked at writing even this book, I was like, I have a lot of content. I'm having trouble framing it into stories that allow people to get to know me a little bit more. So I would ask myself, how did I get to learn this? Where did I learn this idea of relationships or rocket ships? And what happened? A story came into my mind. Oh, this is actually a guy who taught me this. And it was like from when I was like in my 20s. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that guy. And then how'd you make it happen for yourself? And that's what I explain in the chapter. But the bottom line is that relationships, this guy told me he was the king of some tribe in Ghana. It's so weird. Okay. <laughs> 
And uh, he came to speak in my church. I was probably like 21 years old, right? And over the years, all you know, my view on faith and all that stuff has changed and adapted. But he's, he's in my car, bro, and he's talking to leaders at the UN in my in my car on a cell phone. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is pretty cool. This has got to be a life experience. I'm definitely going to learn a lot from just hanging around with this guy. And he goes to me, um, his name was King- Kingsley Fletcher. And uh, he goes, son, you're really talented, but life is 90% who you know and 10% what you know. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm young. He's just talking crazy. Like, that's not true. And the older I got, of course, I found he was right. And now when we talk about relationships, these are loaded words. That's a loaded word. It's a loaded concept. It means 10 different things to 10 different people. And so what's really helped me is spatially looking at relationships in this way. I want to partner up. I want to collaborate across. And I want to mentor around. Okay, so if there are certain clients or certain gurus or experts in my space, especially for business, then they're going to be a partner up for me. I'm going to benefit by being associated with them. They're going to open doors for me and give me platforms that I could never in a lifetime earn myself. Okay, so I've got to figure out how to be a partner up for them. So one of the ways I did that was through my skill as a copywriter. So they hired me. So instead of being a competitor and a fellow speaker and a coach, I was contributing to them. I wasn't a competitor. I was a collaborator. Then when I looked at folks who I was kind of growing up in business with or who were around the same level and we were doing good things together, that was a collaborate across. Now, what happens is a lot of folks see these guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson, and they say, those guys are elitists. They only hang out with each other. They don't ever want to talk to smaller guys like me or whatever, whatever, right? And you can name that in any situation. And what I tell my clients is that you got this all wrong. These people just went to college together. They went to school together. They were in the service together. There is a special rapport. Even if you don't see the guy for 10 years, you're like, dude, remember that time? I'm like that with my friends who I grew up with in high school, college, church, you name it. So these folks just got started at the same time. And so there's an ease and in collaboration and rapport with them. Um, A good example is my friend Jared Easley. Uh, Jared and I got started around the same time, 2012, 2013. He had a podcast. I listened to it. I wrote about it on my blog. He reached out. We became friends. And then we met at a conference. Little did I know, bro, this guy would go on to start this conference called Podcast Movement. He's one of the co-founders oh, nice. <laughs> of Podcast Movement. So it's like 5,000 people every year. To me, he's just Jared. And yes. I also know he's upped his game. So if I'm going to continue to collaborate with him, I've got to show up at a higher level, at a better level, because that's now par for the course. He just had me on his platform speaking to all his Podcast Movement email subscribers the other day. And he can't go to his business partners. Hey, guys, can you throw my friend Mike a favor? He's not very good, but we just want to open. He can't do that. The come up is so important. Like you mentioned that, like people always know where you are laterally. So if you and I were to have met back then and and like maybe, yeah, maybe we were college buds or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to start this media company. And you're like, I'm going to start this copywriting business. As long as I know, like you're continuing to move forward, 
if you are an ambitious person, then like then you you will continue and everyone else will kind of fade away because the work is is nonstop. Like there's no finish lines, there's only starting lines, right? So as long as I know you're committed to leveling up and we came from something that brings us together, then that relationship will always exist in in, in a positive light. Absolutely. And what happens is as they grow in influence, they may not need me, but their friends may need me. Yes. <laughs> their colleagues may need me. Yeah. So that's how so many of these contracts have come my way. Like you can look at my bio and people, how did you end up getting hired by people like John Maxwell, he's a business author, Donald Miller from StoryBrand, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen. How did you, friends. Yes. Friends who are like, dude, I trust Mike. He's showing up in this way, this kind of frequency, this level of energy, you got to call them. Yes. And they go to my website, right? <laughs> uh, my homepage and not my Instagram. But then when you look at folks who are in your audience, in your tribe, even the folks who work with you, you know, my team members, like I'm just trying to mentor them all the time. People who are in my mastermind groups, I'm mentoring them, right? And some of them have obviously moved on, quote unquote, graduated. And now we partner together. We collaborate across. That's how the world is supposed to work. I don't want to create some weird freaking codependent situation when they're like, uh, and I got this from a friend who used to be a pastor. This is hilarious. I feel like I can share this on on, on your show. Of course, hit it. <laughs> it's like, dude, I've been in counseling meetings and I finally blew up at this one guy from my church. I couldn't believe he drinks and yeah. all this kind of stuff. He's cool. He's like, I just told him, my nipple is sore from nursing you. Grow up. <laughs> and I was, like, <laughs> I was like, what? Dude, bro, that's brilliant. But you know, so many gurus have that kind of relationship with the people yes. they mentor. They don't yes. want them to actually grow up and become who they can be. So that's my challenge. You know, relationships are rocket ships. We so much of the time look at who we can partner up with. I say, don't look for a significant place to serve. Make where you're serving significant. Help the people who are already at your party. Help them win. They're going to grow. They're going to help you win. And I mean... My life's a testament to that. I've played the long game and people have just showed up for me in a huge way this year because I've I've been there for them. And they're just like, we want to see you win. So yeah, it's, it's totally how it works. We have time for just like one more kind of mini question and maybe we'll have to do this again. Uh, you know, maybe a few months after the book uh, is a bestseller and all that good stuff. But expectation management is something I'm really, really big on. And when it comes to monetizing personal brand or helping other people monetize on their personal brand, I, I really like to believe that people need to understand that it is a, a long endeavor. And I think I read on one of your Instagram posts, you know, success is uphill, essentially, is what you said. Um, and it's just going to be a grind. But what would you say in terms of expectations and, and kind of like, you know, some of the potholes people are going to hit on this journey when it comes to monetizing on your personal brand? I think the biggest pothole is not really seeing the long game. And here's what I mean by that. Um, because I can't I can't speak for everyone's different skill level or connections. And you know, sometimes we're trying we were really good at something, but that's not what we ultimately want to do. Like for me with copywriting, I was good at it. I didn't want to be a teacher of copywriting and I didn't want to continue to do freelance. So I had to find out different things that I was good at. So when I started Rich, I, I was working the CMO job. I was I was making six figures at work. And uh, at the time I was married and uh, I said to my uh, now ex-wife, I was like, hey, I want to leave work and start my own business. And she's like, okay, um, I'm supportive of that, but I also want to eat and live indoors. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, maybe if you can replace your income from work 
three months in a row, we can talk about it. I was like, cool. Then I was like, damn it. Because that's a lot of money. I was making like 10 grand a month. How am I supposed to make 10 grand on the side while I'm working 60 hours a week? So I was like, what do I do? So then I had a friend, uh, his name is AJ, and he he um, helped me with this because this is how he budgeted things. He said, okay, I want you to I want you to set your smug numbers. And I'm like, what is what is a smug number? And I don't put this in, I didn't put this in the book. So this is something outside of what I talk about there. But he said, so your smug numbers, S-M-U-G, right? Just basically stands for these little things. You know, S, you're starving. M, you're middle class. U is upper class and G is gaudy. Okay, you just have like, you don't have no budget, okay? He's like, Mike, you need to figure out which of these numbers you wanna make the leap from and then focus on making on that amount of money, not the whole 10, 12K a month. I was like, okay, that's interesting. So after talking with you know myself and her and all that stuff, I was like, okay, I'll settle on the middle class number because this is what middle class is for a two-income family in New Jersey. I was like, it's like about mm-hmm. 60 grand a year. So I'm not going to get crazy with the math, but that's $5,000 a month. And so I was like, if I can make $5,000 a month for three months, that makes it doable. And then I said, that's still a lot of money, right? So I was like, let me focus on just making 10% of that for three months in a row, 500 extra dollars. And the way I reasoned that, Rich, was that if I made 500 extra dollars a month this year, that's $6,000 for the year. That's a raise to most people. Yeah. I mean, imagine how much you have to work at your job to get a $6,000 raise. They don't just hand them out like candy. So I was like, oh, I need to look at this in reality, with reality. That's actually a lot of money. That's life-changing money for a lot of people. So I focused on making just 500 bucks. So what did I do? I started podcasting and blogging and trying to sell a few products. I did not take a copywriting contract for $500. It wasn't enough money to justify it. So it actually helped me say no to a lot of things and build in the margins my brand, my publishing, right, my content, build an audience. And then eventually after like two years, I got enough copywriting contracts and I scaled down my involvement at work. I was like, I just wanna work four days a week. You're gonna pay me the same amount of money, but I'm gonna come in in four days a week. And I ran mastermind groups on the day that I didn't go into work. And that's how I gradually made the leap. I didn't, I was not a, well, F it, let's just make the leap because my my wife would have killed me. You know, it wouldn't have worked. And we don't we don't have kids. I don't have kids. We didn't have kids back then, but still I had responsibilities. So that 10% of the the middle number, the smug number, was what helped me get there. And eventually I gained all these skills in the margins of doing that that allowed me to go full time and I had the audience. And that's how I did it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it, this is funny. Uh, and I know we have to wrap. This is so funny because I did the exact opposite. And I always advise people not to do what I did. I quit. I literally, like, same numbers, all that stuff. We moved in. I was 38. We moved in with my in-laws in Blackstone, Virginia, which you've never heard of. There's 3,000 people in that town. With my dog, with my daughter, with my wife, we went from a huge house in Austin, Texas, into the basement. And I didn't have a plan or anything. And it worked out. But, like, that, what he said, if you're listening, is the way to do it. You never want to let something get to a point where it's catastrophic to make some crazy decision like that because there's a million ways this could have went the other way. However, when I got to tell Gary that story, that was pretty much a home run. But but look, 
The book comes out here in July. So you are the brand. Uh, I've already pre-ordered it. Where can people find you and consume some of your content and uh, all that good stuff? Well, you're listening to a podcast, so give my show a shot. It's called The Brand You Podcast. It's for people who are building a personal brand business. I know by and large, you know, the everyday person who listens to podcasts, they listen to about seven shows a week. So give my show a try. Make me one of your seven for a few weeks. And if you like it, keep on subscribing and listening. Uh, That's the best place. And the book, all the details, links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, some of the packages we have, we're donating a bunch of money to charity. Um, to a uh, charity called Love 146. Uh, they help kids rescued out of sex trafficking, cause near and dear to my heart. All those details are at youarethebrandbook.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, but thank you for you know, the education, for the knowledge, for the anecdotes uh, and the awesome stories that you hadn't shared before. So I appreciate that very, very much. And uh, we will see you soon. Thank you, Rich. I genuinely had a great time. Thank you, man. All right, everyone. So we are going to wrap. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Mike. I love the antidote at the very end with the smug uh, analogy. That was fantastic. And not to mention the malls. I mean, I'm literally one of those people who are like, I got to stay on brand, on brand, on message, on, on message. Like my brand is like who I am. I, I don't really need to work at it too much, but different messages, different platforms, that makes complete sense. And that makes me uh, actually excited to maybe dive into YouTube shorts and, and try and get back into TikTok. But again, the book is You Are the Brand. Pre-order it. It's on Kindle now, which you could do. Audible is going to be out in a while, so I wouldn't wait till then. You Are the Brand is coming out, I believe, uh, July 13th, so you can pre-order it now. If you want to learn to monetize your personal brand business, then that this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to get. Speaking of uh, personal branding, you know, part of my personal brand is to make sure I connect people with other people, establish relationships of, of, you know, people or groups that would have never met otherwise. And I would love for you to explore doing the same by sharing this podcast with people who would never have heard of me if it wasn't for you, because that is what makes this podcast go around. That's what gets it ranked. That's what helps it. In addition to the possibility of you taking 60 seconds of your time to write a review especially on Apple. So subscribe, write a review, give it some stars, whatever you feel is appropriate. I will never ask you for five stars. You can put whatever it is you want. You can give the shittiest feedback if you if that's what you feel is necessary, but at least I know you listened. So thank you for your time. We will see you next week. 